championship defend his title. John Kreese told me he had a lot of heart. Oh, yeah? Listen, you know how to front sweep? Well, uh, no, not learn, really. Learn, learn. Most of these tournament guys are a sucker for the front sweep. You can catch him every time. Really? Ask your Mr. Miyagi. He'll show you. Yeah, well, I'm kind of training for this one myself. Oh, that's too bad. Welcome to Karate Kid 3 Minutes, a podcast where we discuss the Karate Kid Part 3, three champion minutes at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Matt. And joining us today from the Next Real Podcast, welcome back, Andy and Pete. Hello I'm there. So relieved hey. to get to talk Hello. about this movie. I, I, it would not have been complete <laughs> talking about one and two and not coming back to talk about three. <laughs> I know. You had to put a lot of work into the last two, dealing with how you know subpar those movies are to get to this place <laughs> finally. Just- Hallelujah. I'm only here for the next Karate Kid, to be honest. (laughs) Well, we are trying to, and this is a good, I can do, I do it usually at the end of the week, but I usually, I I can do it at the beginning of the week as well. Uh, We are trying to get all female identifying guests uh, for the next Karate Kid, so... Okay, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. But I'm putting it, it out there. there. We'll but watch I, along. But kudos. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll listen. I'll listen instead. <laughs> it would just just a, a tremendous sausage fest for the next Karate Kid would be an incredible disservice to uh, Julie, of course. The, I don't, I don't yeah, think the we're going to. I don't think we're going to succeed in getting a female guest for every single episode. Waiting for that first email to show up in my inbox. Karate Kid Minute at gmail.com. At least one would be nice. I'm used to ladies not talking to me, so. Yeah. I'm um, sure you guys will be back. <laughs> All right. Fair so, enough. <laughs> Andrea and Petunia, welcome. <laughs> that is a first. That is a first for me. I've never, I've never been called that, but it, it feels kind of nice. That's kind of cute. That's I'm cute. just going to stay Robin. I'm just going to stay Robin. Yeah, see. <laughs> uh, and this is actually a pretty big. You know, as far as numbers go, uh, I I want to say uh, congratulations, Matt. We've done 250 episodes of, uh, of this podcast. Probably would have been more if we kept it minute by minute, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely would have. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, happy 250. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thanks, and, and so guys, uh, thank you for coming to our uh, Karate Kid three-minute podcast uh what's your histories with karate kid part three uh andy uh, andrea start? <laughs> <laughs> you know this was actually the very first time i watched this i wow. i had never yeah like somehow it must have been the trailer or something when it came out i was just like eh, i think i'm done with, <laughs> with that franchise like i never honestly saw it and so um, I ended with with them going to Japan. It was like Bad News Bears goes to the Japan and <laughs> the finale for me. Um, uh-huh. I saw that, and so I, I knew this existed, and I knew that the the fourth one existed, and the show and everything. I just I I never kind of continued with it. So uh, I uh, I saw it when it came out, and I it was only this is only the second time I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> says anything um and and i i am reminded i was reminded as i was reading up on the film and kind of studying up on it why i it felt so weird to me that there wasn't a love interest and only today learned that she was only 16 when they when she was filming this movie and yeah he was 27 and it completely (laughs) recontextualized the entire movie for me and it got weird so fast 
She is a she. She does act, you know, kind of. She does act like an older oh, teenager, yeah. but and uh, he acts like a younger, a younger <laughs> yeah. adult for sure. Like acts and looks, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're perfect. I mean, in terms of of being paired together, uh, but it it just it's hard to watch knowing that now. And she goes on to Twin Peaks after this, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I'm I'm so glad I'm, I'm so glad we got Andy to watch this for the first time. I mean, I'm going to wait for the next real series uh, about the Karate Kid right. franchise coming up anytime soon. Uh, the, the whole franchise. Yeah, we're going to actually do the whole franchise in one one episode, though. So we're going to we're going to invert it. That's oh. right. <laughs> That's what I should have did. Oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, today we are talking about minutes 63 to 66 of The Karate Kid Part 3. They begin with Daniel telling Miyagi more bad news and end with Mike showing Daniel that he is a formidable opponent. Um, so we pick up where we left off on Friday with Daniel feeling pretty stupid for digging up Miyagi's favorite tree to save the business because uh, Miyagi already saved the business. He, he sold his truck. And uh, so, um, yeah, uh Smart move on Daniel's part, guys. Uh, do, you, do you think this was? <laughs> you know, I, have rough, I have a rough time with this. With, with this. Uh, I have a rough time with Daniel in the in pretty much every scene in this movie. But it, it's mostly because I think of the script that he was given for his character. The problem that I have with it here, in particular, is. He never gets the whole story out to the point that it's just unbelievable. Just tell Miyagi exactly what happened, you dope. Like, just say all the words before you throw a fit and kick something. Like, it's just unbelievable that it happens again and again. The story gets away yeah. from him without being able to speak factually about anything. I know, because he's like – Miyagi is, of course, taken aback because, you know, Daniel's doing – He's made him proud. He's doing what he said he was going to do, and 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 pulling out, and and uh, and then yeah, Daniel's like, so so Miyagi's question is why, and Daniel's answer is because I'm not you. That's yeah. why. Yeah, let's I don't have clear, always, that's not good enough. <laughs> I don't always have the right answers. <laughs> we were at the bottom. Don't know what we were at the bottom. To Miyagi, what does that mean? They pulled the why? ropes up. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Who's they? Why'd you go there? Who's they? What are it's, you doing uh, with ropes at all? You found my tree. It's, and then it's just yeah. like, I made the decision. It was the wrong one. What else am I supposed to do? <laughs> don't go at all. I don't know. Stop being it's, such a hothead. Yeah. Oh, it's such a Daniel moment. Like, I just feel like gosh, there are moments like this with Daniel through this whole thing. Like, he just, he just, it's like, are you sure we should be doing this? And he's just like, oh no, no, totally. Like this is great. I, this is exactly what Miyagi will save Miyagi. And I mean, this this is this this college kid who already gave all of his money for his college education to help Mr. Miyagi open this this uh, bonsai shop, and here he is, like now going through this. Like, he's Miyagi. It's like that's the thing that he needs to do, and and clearly in this conversation you can see why he has issues with that because he can't actually get. A conversation out. He like he can't actually say the things he needs to say. Oh. I mean, I get it. Like writing this way for like sometimes you need the emotion of the of the sequence. You need to be able to let emotion withhold some factual elements in order to move the story forward. Mm -hmm. This movie is so peak Daniel in that regard. Like he can't through a get through a single scene without like just completely bailing on an idea. <laughs> Yeah, right. And, and yet he's he's very committed to a lot of 
very bad ideas too. So, uh, um, and I love that one of the one of the delivery guys in the background kind of like notices the drama, and he's just like, "I'm staying out of this one." <laughs> this, guy, this, this grown man is throwing a fit. <laughs> I just want to know where you want your bonsais, man. Yeah, just yeah, just sign the paperwork. Sign the paperwork. Yeah, that's exactly it. But it, it's just so tough covering this argument, like again and again, like. Daniel could have signed up to stop Mike's bullying and just not shown up. Uh, but, but we now, established that that would get him murdered or something, I think. Right. He said he's going <laughs> to hurt Daniel and he's going to hurt Jessica. And Snake's like, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But then it's like, what? so then your natural instinct is like, okay, well, they're, they're going to do something criminal, let, get the police involved. And then Robert Mark Kamen throws in this like aside that Daniel says that, oh, yeah, I went to the police and they laughed me out of there. And it's like, that makes no that sense sounds at like all. The I think the police are bought and sold by Cobra Kai. Look, has anybody covered on the show yet why the All Valley Tournament is so important to these people? Like, apparently now we've introduced millionaire industrialist Terry Silver. Who cares so much about the All Valley Tournament, he's going to buy a franchise of 20 Cobra Kai dojos, only one of which is totally failed already like what i mean is he could have put his money into something way cooler like an iron man suit yeah he <laughs> totally could have terry it's, it's, silver it's the... tony oh. stark hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah oh interesting you guys have covered this before right tell me you've covered this because this connection is just too ripe this can't be the first time no we waited for you guys to show up. <laughs> um and so, yeah, uh, Miyagi's like, I understand. And Daniel says, well, I need your help. So you're going to help me? And he's like, I understand. <laughs> and isn't this needlessly misleading? Like, why does he just keep saying this? I, I, I understand. And then he's like, you're going to train me? And he's like, well, I always train you, but not for the tournament. <laughs> yeah, always except for this one time, the most, <laughs> the most important time. Not training and- you is part of your training. Yeah, oh, I mean, if, uh, if it I feels recall... like yeah, Miyagi wisdom out of a fortune cookie. Is what, <laughs> I, what were we saying, Pete? Sorry, I feel like no. I just feel like I, we need to ask uh, Matt quite seriously. Was this part of your training early on? <laughs> like this sort of mister bait and switch misdirection is that part of the kata that they keep talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it's. It is so weird, like, uh, uh, like uh, that was something that struck me watching this, is like, is that a thing, like, uh, like in the world of, of karate and karate championships, like, why is Miyagi so adverse to to training Daniel for this? Like, do, have you, I'm sure you've talked about that with some guests, because, I mean, they've talked about it a number of times, and obviously it comes back here, so I'm just like, why is this a thing that Miyagi is just like, no, I I don't train for that? It's just his whole lifestyle. Like, he treats karate as a way of life more than anyone else, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he pretty much uh, evacuated uh, from his entire life because someone challenged him to a fight rather than actually take do the fight. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so he's oh just like, Daniel, this goodness. is just a tournament. <laughs> yeah, right. We only train for bonsai. <laughs> if there's a bonsai tournament, the All-Valley Bonsai Tournament, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah, I guess, I don't know, maybe and, and my question, as always, is just like, well, what's the difference between training me and training me for a tournament? But maybe it's just like, yeah, we'll do some more kata, you know, but if it was for a t- tournament, it'd be more sparring. But then again, I don't know how many times they've actually sparred in these movies. Why did um, Daniel just not shut his mouth and say, <laughs> okay, okay, 
I'm not doing the tournament. I promise <laughs> no. you, I'm not Let's doing the tournament. Train. You want to go do Let's some karate? Wink, wink. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was really lyric, trying to trying to. What if somebody's like? Let's say we're in this square, and I couldn't go outside the lines. Uh, <laughs> just throwing it out there. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, it's a really interesting uh, bit of. Sound, well, it's not really sound design. I wonder if it's just happenstance that just ha- they happened to film while this train was going by, or because I can't imagine they stopped this Amtrak train and said, "Okay, wait for the scene," <laughs> and then and now go at this certain time because he says, Danielson. Miyagi always train you. And then we hear this, honk, honk, honk. And it's the warning that the train is coming. And then he goes, but for tournament, cannot. And then the train goes, as it goes by. Wow. And so I, I'm, another one of those classic Karate Kid green screens. <laughs> Maybe they just green screen the, the train. It does I, not I, look like a green screen. No, I was going to say, I, it really looks like the train no. is back there. Yeah, oh, no, no yeah, it is. I, I made a yeah. note of that, too, and it's it's clear they probably put that in to help the transition where when they cut to it, all of a sudden there's a train back there. But it was funny how it was timed so perfectly to be like perfectly. a dramatic train passing. Like, I <laughs> yes. mean, it's, it's, it's like conveying all the emotion of Miyagi's expression uh, or whatever he says as the train passes. So <laughs> we think this was de- a deliberate train? Yeah, well, and because it's also conveying Daniel's life passing him by, right? <laughs> well, I almost t- took it like, uh, you know, the first is honk, honk, honk. It's warning, there's a train coming. And then he's like, not going to do it. And the train just yeah. mows him right over. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, this kind of uh, uh, Miyagi kind of leaves him, like, sputtering and flailing for, like, the fifth time in this movie. And he ends up kicking his uh, yellow tree bag. This, yeah. it, you know, it's funny because there's the, um, you know, <laughs> he finally has signed this contract after all this time. He's like, I don't know why I kept complaining. I should have just done it and all this stuff. And it's like the same thing Miyagi keeps doing to Daniel. It's like <laughs> time after time, Daniel keeps asking him over the course of three movies. I need to do this. I need to do this. No, I'm not going to do this. All right, fine. I'll do it. Like, it's the exact same thing. So <laughs> I feel like there's a little bit. Maybe maybe they're learning this from each other. It's, you know, it's like father, like son sort of situation. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, they keep exacerbating the, this uh, uh, way that they both behave. <laughs> I mean, there, you know, putting aside how the information is delivered, it seems that Miyagi, with this information, now refusing to help Daniel. I mean, the first thing is like karate is for defense only. Like, isn't this defending your business, your livelihood? Uh, uh, well, and, and your title. Threaten- it's it's in the thing. You're defending your title. It's, it's yeah part of the game. <laughs> But, you know, in defending the title, you're also defending Daniel's life, Jessica's life, the bonsai shop from getting like, why was it okay to train him to get respect in the first one? And, well, I guess he was kind of surprised into a fight into the second one. But like, I guess why he just it... hasn't, I guess Miyagi just hasn't seen the evidence of the abuse that uh, Daniel <laughs> He fought off the re- evidence but, a few scenes ago. <laughs> yeah, but Daniel didn't wasn't coming home with bruises and stuff like he was in the first movie. Well, and, and Daniel was hiding the abuse, too, once he learned mm-hmm. about magic foot powder. <laughs> I guess that hasn't <laughs> well, that's, really... that's later, yeah. That's, that's later. Sorry, yeah, that's true. I spoiled it. <laughs> but, but, you know, that actually is another another issue, I think, with the movie, that the pacing is uh, is kind of broken to me because the the you know and, and not to get jump too far ahead but this 
this is a, yet another one of those central conflicts between Daniel and Miyagi where he says, yes, I need to do this thing. No, I don't train you to do this thing. Yes, mm-hmm. I need to do the, You can't pay the rent, but I must pay the rent. And, uh, and, and it all leads up to this final confrontation that pushes Miyagi to actually take, the, take that, final, that final plunge with Daniel way, way, way late in the film. Like, the final training montage is, like, 30 seconds, and it's, like, 10 minutes before the end of the movie. Like, everything happens. Like, it, it, it is so slow through these minutes in the middle and then way too fast at the end that such that it's not really rewarding anymore. So I think this I mean, is one of the prime examples of, of where the pacing is kind of broken. It, it's strange because it's not until like maybe 40, 45 minutes into the movie that Daniel realizes there's a threat and he's still right. and then he goes into the next stage of like, OK, there is a threat. And then somebody else is duping him yeah. <laughs> for like another like half hour. Yeah. He's never like ahead of anything in this movie until the very end. I, I, I actually think that there is something to the idea of the brewing threat that our protagonist does, is not aware of, but we are, the audience is, that is an, a compelling model for, yeah. for the, the story. I, I think, you know, what that brewing threat is and the <laughs> likability or the, the like relatability of the cartoon villain in this thing is, <laughs> um, is, you know, probably debatable, but you know, it, it was an interesting idea. I just think mm. for me, it was a swing and a miss. Mm. All right. Well, we'll we'll be getting to Terry soon. Um, (laughs) uh, So in the next scene, we see that Daniel reached out to the only person that could help him, which is Jessica. Coach Jessica uh, shows up and is really kind of powering through this uh, this jog. Um, And we get to a water fountain and he says he's dying of thirst. And she says, you can't swallow, which I like. I just want you to know, for the record, that when I knew we were coming back for this show as I was watching the movie this morning, I said, okay, if we have to do a funny line bit, okay, okay, you can't swallow is going to be mine. So (laughs) now you've just taken it off the table, and I regret that. But I just need you to know that I love that line more than my animals. Uh, and this is, yeah, it's weird. Like, it's like, obviously like a quick Google tells me like, if you're jogging, you should stay hydrated, especially if you're out in the California sun. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you shouldn't, obviously you shouldn't drink too much. You don't want a big belly full of water sloshing around. Right. <laughs> sure. Drink some water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jessica keeps pushing him, uh, to be more confident. It reminds him he's the champion. And I, I do love how positive Jessica is like, she does remind me a lot of Allie, like in this, especially in this like sporty mode, you know, it's almost like a good <clears throat> counterpoint to downer Daniel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was there um, ever uh, you, you too might know um, I, I didn't dig around for this, but was there ever talk to bring her back for this one or was that never a Allie? Yeah. Not that I know of. No. Like yeah, I just, I, I feel like this was that era of sequels where you would never bring back people like the the girl interest from previous movies. You'd never bring them back. It was like a very James yeah. Bond sort of thing that seemed to go through the eighties into the nineties. Weirdly, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I've been watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, and uh, Elizabeth Shue just showed up on that. Oh, oh nice! Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Doesn't Larry date her too? It's the it's the season of Curb where they like do a, a Seinfeld reunion. Oh, okay. okay. So it's years ago, but 
funny. Uh, yeah, there was a completely, uh, I, I, you know, people heard this in the opening minutes of this uh, this movie being covered. But yeah, there's it, first Robert Mark Heyman basically wanted to do a part three where Daniel and Miyagi go back in time. Uh, in a kind of like a, was it all a dream kind of scenario where he meets his ancient Miyagi family and, and things like that. And they do some like flying Kung Fu stuff. Uh, and then, and then they were like, nope. And, and And they did it in the animated series instead. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I don't know if they ever went back in time, but there was a lot of magical, it was a magical shrine at least. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, oh and yeah, then there was, uh, then, then they just said, okay, well, uh, Cayman's not doing it. Let's get somebody else to do it. And they made a completely different script. They even brought Johnny back, Kreese back, uh, even, even Dutch, um, which I hope to, to cover that version of the movie, uh, sometime on this podcast. Um, but then they just like, were like, oh, this is garbage. And they threw it out and got Cayman to come back and, uh, and yeah, and, and we ended up with this, <laughs> but no, 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 they never, they never brought Allie back. They had Allie coming back from the beginning bring... of part two. That's about it. Yeah, but, right, right. But even they, they are. I mean, I would have, I would have accepted Tamlin to meet up, uh, moving back to California. Like that would have been yeah. an interesting bit of of continuity because they take such stri- stri- like they go to such lengths to make the continuity line up just perfectly movie to movie. Mm-hmm. Then and yet, like they actually just rip just, the rela- the primary relationships asunder. Yeah, <laughs> and speaking of Tamla right Tamita, right I was yeah. I just watched Joy Luck Club for the first time last night. Oh, <laughs> I'm, seeing all the pre- oh. I'm seeing all the previous girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> You're seeing all of Daniel's previous girlfriends. <laughs> wow, <laughs> perks of this job. That's right. Um. Uh, so you know, yeah, I, by the. But I got to say, just just going back to the scene real quick, though, uh, do you think that this is a foggy L.A. day or is this L.A. smog <laughs> circa 1989? Because I was like, good God, maybe, How are they maybe that's why she doesn't want him drinking the water, because it'll like the with all that smog yeah. that he's inhaling, it'll uh, you know poison him. Yeah. Uh, in fact, they are, uh, you know, location drop here like they're, they are dr- jogging along uh, Ocean Avenue in Santa Monica. Like off to the left of this camera is the ocean. So yeah, it's I don't know. Maybe it's a foggy morning, foggy uh, rather than smog. I don't know. It's uh, smog. It's smog. <laughs> it's got. <laughs> and uh, yeah, why aren't they running along the beach? I guess it's probably because it'd be a lot more suspicious if Terry Silver just happened to be jogging by. <laughs> <laughs> or, or driving by, you know, <laughs> driving I, I, on the beach. <laughs> you get to a point in this film where you're just never surprised when Terry shows up. It's just, like, what, totally... is this, what is this industrialist doing other than following Daniel? He's clearly not running his business. Yeah, it, he says revenge <laughs> is, is is his business. Is his prior, or, yeah, is, yeah, oh. is his priority from now on. I so. can just see him showing up on the beach in short shorts and his black snakeskin wraparound jacket. Yes. Like that, that would be a Terry Silver look. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he is, uh, you know, speaking of his look, he is in his civilian disguise, uh, and, uh, his, he's driving a poor, beat up truck. This poor civilian. Oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is 1972 Ford Courier and, uh, uh, playing on his radio is a song called, uh, Bed of Nails by Miklos Factor, a song and artist that have been erased from existence. Uh, yeah. It's, oh, uh, unreleased. Uh, there's nothing on the internet about the the artist or the song it's just it's a notation in the credits that's all i know 
But uh, Daniel does introduce Jessica. Uh, he has a problem remembering who Terry is. But <laughs> um, funny enough, uh, Robin Lively did meet Thomas Ian Griffith here on part three and years later ended up working with his wife, uh, Mary K- Paige Keller, on the Disney Channel movie Johnny Kapahala. And apparently she's been friends with the both of them like ever since. Um, and maybe uh, we are going to see her in Cobra Kai. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Uh, I apparently maybe they could see... actually date then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I apparently need to see uh, Johnny Capahala because uh, the description is it's all about a kid from Vermont. I'm from Vermont uh, who goes to Hawaii, who comes a surfer and ends up embroiled in a uh, turf war between rival surf shops. Uh, it, Features uh, Robin Lively, uh, Rose McIver, uh, star of iZombie. I used to host the iZombie podcast uh, a few years ago. Uh, also, uh, Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa. Tagawa uh, Jeng who, of course, Sorry? Jeng Sung. Jeng, uh, yeah. Your soul is mine. And <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, Yuji Okamoto. Uh, chosen himself is in this movie. So she oh. she worked with uh, she worked with him, too. Oh, well, if you watch that, you have to first watch Johnny Tsunami, which is the, the first of the pair of Oh, really? I didn't know it was a sequel. <laughs> it is. It is. Johnny Capahala is number two. Oh, oh I don't, right. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that except for I'm looking at its Wikipedia page right now. I have never seen either. Just letting everybody know. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the posters on my wall, I swear. Uh, I, I, think that, I think Johnny Tsunami, I've never heard of it until recently, is like a big thing with a certain generation because I was listening to – some folks younger than me reviewing Mortal Kombat, and they're like, Shang Tsung's Johnny Tsunami? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and it, it, yeah, it would be very weird because it's Shang Tsung and Chosen in this movie as good guys. They're, they're the <laughs> good guys. They're not the part of the right. I was hoping they'd be like in charge of the rival surf shop, but no. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Terry Silver, Master Manipulator, uh, is here um, playing dumb. I have Go to ahead. say, since since this is our first chance uh, to talk about Terry Silver, I was looking on Letterboxd, and I found this five-star review by somebody named Dorenzo, who, had this to, uh, who absolutely loves this film, and has this to say about Terry effing Silver. Where the F did he come from? He feels like he's plugged in from some bizarro, unmade Bond film, so unapologetically <laughs> villainous, so cartoonishly maniacal. And I read that, and I'm like, oh, yes, that, this is exactly him. With his slick back ponytail, his silk GI, his, his, or his toxic waste dumping side business, his home dojo and business jacuzzi, he's awesome 80s bad guy incarnate and the heart and soul of everything that's great about this ridiculous movie. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, well, you know what? He is all of those things. That is yeah. true. <laughs> that's right. Uh, you know, he lives in the Ennis house. You know, he's, he's got this really awesome criminal lair. Um, yes, he's got is. all these helpers, and he has uh, a bunch of helpers who totally just who all, go with his whole vibe. They're all yep, like that, senior citizens, yeah, like who have that old, like is, is this old, their retirement? They're like, I'm going to retire and work, work for <laughs> yeah. Silver. Yeah, his keeps the checks Margaret, coming. Oh man, yeah. she is into him. <laughs> yeah, really you think that she doesn't mind sitting in the bathroom while he uh, dictates to her from the tub? <laughs> <laughs> Who's next? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. awesome. Um, so he asks if they're training for the Olympics, you know, I love his Terry's playing dumb. And then Daniel plays dumb. Like, strangely, he's just like, ah, it's for some tournament, (laughs) like some (laughs) tournament. (laughs) You mean the one you won? The one that everybody cares about? It's the all Valley. 
Um, the All Valley. The All Valley. Yeah. Have you have you done a count with with Daniel as you go through these films of the times he's wearing his uh, his headband versus the times he's not? Because it's like I feel like he's wearing this far more than most people normally would. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I do wonder sometimes if like they put it he's wearing it like more in this film just though like because he's just marketed as the Karate Kid, you know. And maybe you know. And I <laughs> right. noticed that in part two as well. It's just like why is he wearing? He's just kind of walking around town wearing it. Yeah, like um, I just <laughs> think that the the like if there were to be a drinking game for this, I think it would probably coincide with the number of times Daniel Larusso is wearing the headband while not doing karate. <laughs> I think you'd get right soused. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not going to pull it out now, but I do have one for the old exercise bike because uh, I need to be in prime combat condition when yeah, I'm uh, exercising. Yeah, you do. Nice. Um, and I, yeah, I love that Terry plays for his plays to his ego, saying, "Oh, a champion should, you know, good for you. A champion should defend his title." And then he says that even John Kreese liked him. He's like, "Oh, you, you had a lot of heart." It's so weird to hear, I, I, you yeah. know. And Daniel's got this whole like side of the story now that oh John Kreese wasn't actually such a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's such a strange Aww. thing to. I, I mean, I know that Terry had the whole story he spun to uh, Mr. Miyagi and Daniel, uh, but still, I just still find it hard. Like they've they've interacted with him on several occasions, and I still find it hard. Like even when he's saying this stuff, that Daniel so readily just like oh that's cool, how nice. Like it's <laughs> it's weird. It's just a little strange to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. He, you know, he, he's a kid without a dad, and uh, you know, I guess these older men that uh, I'm, I'm sure he wants respect from people, and I don't know, something along those. I'm, I'm just yeah. thinking yeah. out and, loud. <laughs> and the hair and the ponytail. I mean, you just you <laughs> see that, yes, and you think, God, is that a members only jacket? No, it's <laughs> it's better than a members only. It's like members only denim. <laughs> So Terry tells him he's got to learn how to do the front sweep because tournament guys are suckers for it. Um, Matt, what, what, what are we thinking here? Is, are, are, is a lot of tournament guys fall for front sweeps? Uh, I mean, I I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know from playing video games, you can be really annoying with the the sweeping the legs over and over and over and over again. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you can. <laughs> Just talking about Street Fighter Two. <laughs> it was either that or Mortal Kombat. Or, you know, used to get really good. I at mean, it. it's just sweep. like okay, stop. <laughs> <laughs> a sweep is a, you got a big wind up and duck down and lots lots of time for for them to see that coming. I think. Mm. Yeah, it it is a weird thing to like build so much, and I, I we're about to talk about like one of the reasons that he's talking about the front sweep because of what he's gonna how he'll train in the next set of minutes but it is weird that it feels like they are really trying to set something up here with this whole front sweep and you know i, I know i'm jumping ahead but it's it's like a setup that never gets a payoff uh, it's it's one it of those does. things where it's does it really yeah like, it, like in the he, end he keeps being this front sweep keeps being uh big upped and as soon as the charade is dropped where they realize uh or where daniel realizes that they're not on his side the first thing he tries to do to Mike is front sweep him, and Mike just lifts his foot and lets it slide under his foot. <laughs> oh my god! See, I can't. see that's 
Okay, so that's an example of bad filmmaking because yes. it's like it's so downplayed in a way where unless you are a karate person who who recognizes that, like I totally missed it. Like I was waiting for them to like build up to this thing, and then it just never happened. But it, clearly, it happens. But yeah, it's just real quick. Very it's unspectacular. Like, they don't make it, I, maybe they're just trying to make a point of like. Yeah, the front sweep is nothing. Like, look how mm, <laughs> how yeah. inconsequential it was. It, it turns out tournament guys actually do know what a front sweep is. <laughs> right. I, I I thought in this movie that the front sweep and sweep the leg like is so commonly yeah. associated with Cobra Kai, and Cobra Kai is associated with bad, you know. And it's almost like, you know, now you know I've been equating uh, Daniel's uh, fall from grace here and falling over to Terry Silver is more of like a Anakin Skywalker kind of thing. Like he's got to learn this to, you know, like uh, for for instance, he's like, uh, he goes like, ask ask you, Mister Miyagi, he'll show you, and uh, and Terry's like, uh, uh, that's too bad. I got a good book on sweep techniques. I'll drop it off for you. Somebody. So it's almost like uh, he's saying like, oh well, you know, Darth Plagueis, he could raise people from the dead. Where do I learn this from? He's like, not from mm-hmm. a Jedi. Like leg sweeps can easily <laughs> yeah. take down Terminator. Where do I learn? Not from Mister Miyagi. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Right. and and lest we forget, someone wrote a whole book on sweep techniques. <laughs> An entire book, yes. An entire book that the technique that was completely dismissed in the filmmaking here, completely dismissed. Yeah. Can I can I ask a location, uh, just a location question? As they're talking about, and you said the ocean was right to the side. And and I know we're I'm I'm actually backing up a minute, but did you do you have the exact location of this the Devil's Basin? Is that what they ended up calling it in the last minute? Yeah, it's the de- it's the Devil's Cauldron, but it's Devil ba- Devil's Basin in real life. Yeah, and, and how, it's really how close hard to is find. it? <laughs> how close is it to where they are here? Oh, it's probably like four or five hours away. <laughs> four or five hours. Okay, but it yeah. is still California because we have here a Devil's Punch Bowl that. I've been into here, and I'm in or on we the coast keep stumbling of Oregon. Into that. And, yeah, it's very similar, and I just I, I was trying to put a, a place to it. So I'm sorry for the distraction, but it, no, it's no. been confusing me, and I thought you guys were the ones to ask. Um, yeah, I I wrote this whole thing in my notes. Can we take a moment to credit Terry Silver for a great plan? <laughs> because okay, so yeah, first his plan <laughs> is to train a bad boy to take down the champ. Then he decides to sneak into Miyagi's and learn a bit about the both of them and ends up eavesdropping on Daniel talking to Miyagi about burning the tournament application because it's what Miyagi wants him to do. So he launches a two-prong offense. He sends Mike to mercilessly bully Daniel into signing and then knowing that Mr. Miyagi doesn't want him to do it, but also knowing that Daniel did want to do it, he then endears himself to Daniel He's practically grooming Daniel, let's just say, yeah. <laughs> like in re- using really creepy terms and like yeah, especially make, these days, right? <laughs> yeah. Making Daniel think that Cobra Kai isn't bad. Kreese was a good man. Terry respects him probably more than Miyagi. Oh, Miyagi won't treat. Oh, that's too bad. Well, you know, I can help you. You know, if you need some little, a few pointers. So he's like driving a wedge. So Daniel won't have any other choice, but to turn to this nice guy to help him out of this bad situation. I just think Which, uh, to his credit is exactly what he said he was going to do in the opening with Crease. Like in right. that conversation, was like he will be begging for me to train him. He was. You're absolutely right. He was. He was the emperor. The it, whole it, time. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. It was a hell of a job. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and it just so happens that he was up 
Miyagi's chimney when he heard the whole thing about him not wanting to join the tournament. So he had to improvise a little bit. But his improvising actually made the plan even more devious. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it a, is a comical moment when he starts coughing and has to do the little cartoon dance with his feet yes. on the fire as he drops out of the chimney. <laughs> How did he get into the chimney? Have you ever tried to climb up your own chimney? Uh, not yet. That's not a thing he would be able to do <laughs> in five seconds. Only only movie chimneys are really wide enough to fit a person. <laughs> and right. likely have a ladder inside them. It's ridiculous right. what they ask us well, to do. Well, he does have some movie. sick moves. So <laughs> <laughs> He had to push uh, Phoebe Kate's dad aside to get up there. Right. But, uh, uh, <laughs> I didn't uh, know my heart would be broken anew. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so with that seed planted, uh, Terry drives off, and, and uh, even with the uh, take care of our champion, you know, I'm in his corner. You know, we're both in his corner. Um, yeah, some real neo-cultist going on mm-hmm. right here. Really good gaslighting. Um, and Jessica's really impressed, and she gets uh, Daniel back to jogging. But I did mention that uh, – I did want to mention that um, I had the junior novelization, which is only 96 pages long. And does not include anything from anybody else's point of view but Daniel. So, like, Terry is oh. just a nice guy here. <laughs> wow. But, Devious. Um, it says here that he barely made it a half mile before he had to stop for water. But then after t- talking to Terry, he felt so good. He, he ran four more miles. And <laughs> Oh, my God. And, like, his thought in his mind is, like, I, he, I just know Mr. Miyagi is going to be able to show me this one move. And then I'm going to have the advantage in the tournament. And uh, because it's like every Karate Kid movie ends with Daniel pulling off the special move given to him by Mr. Miyagi. So now, like, imagine if this movie ended with a leg sweep. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah, right. No kidding. There is something about this that, like, just since we're on the jogging scene that I I kept thinking about in this movie, like, he is the the champ of, you know, the All-Valley Karate Mm -hmm. Tournament. And he really is in legit terrible shape. Like <laughs> he's just not a fit athlete. In, in, I, I guess air heavy. No muscle tone. No stamina. Things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That great. They ate a lot of Chinese food in in, in Japan. In Japan. <laughs> right. Mac and cheese. I live on this. Mac stuff. and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're kind of selling my point, Daniel. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and even worse. Uh, a couple of skins ago. Oh, you're one heavy wimp, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah. And, and I have to keep reminding myself, like pinch myself. It's, it's been a year since the beginning of the karate kid in, in the movie's timeline. So <laughs> right. <laughs> one right. year. Right. The, Cause the, it takes tournaments coming up. Yeah. Yeah. It takes place in 85. It, it was, it was released in 89, but, um, so, yeah, we go to uh, Miyagi's garden, which I guess is part Daniel's garden at this point. Uh, and he's yeah, kind of tra- training. And um, and suddenly Mike walks in, and he's pretty angry about Daniel calling the cops. And then I was like, wait, did the cops actually do their job? And, <laughs> and they're like, actually, we will go check out Mike Barnes. He re- It's more of a walk. Like, he seriously storms in. Like, the way that he walks is just like, I mean, it, this is what I love about this character. Is like, he is nonstop intensity. Every yes. time you see him, he's just like, he's so much. It just, it makes me laugh because he never lets down. And it just, I'm like right here, like he walks up and just like he walks right up to him. Like he's going to take him down. And it's just, it's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. 
Um, also, also, he is fit. Right. <laughs> Speaking of, there is no yeah. question he's going to beat the crap out of Danny <laughs> LaRusso in this scene. Um, and, uh, you know, Daniel says, well, yeah, because you stole the trees. And who left this application to Tooth Fairy? And, uh, and he ends up, like, flipping Mike. And Mike easily, like, rolls right to his feet and then kicks him right in the side. Um, they have uh, counters Daniel's fists. Throws him to the ground, steps on his neck, and he says, "There's nothing you've got that I can't counter." Your cur- so that's pretty much. <laughs> 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 we gotta get cut off there, uh, but we do see uh, Terry Silver entering in the back. So I don't know, like uh, uh, something's happening, and uh, a little convenient, right? <laughs> <laughs> now I know we were just uh, building up some wind, but maybe we should stop for a swallow of water. And uh, come back here on Wednesday to see how this fight turns out. Not supposed to. No, no. <laughs> Don't swallow. That's right. All right. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, uh, Pete and Andy. Uh, you want to come Absolutely. back on Wednesday for another three more Karate Kid three minutes? Hell yeah. Do I get more Terry Silver? You better. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, on Mondays, we let the guests uh, do the plug. So please have at it. Oh, you can uh, hear more of Pete and me. Uh, we have the Next Reel film podcast where we talk about all sorts of different movies, um, you know, a different a movie per episode in, in various series. Uh, I, I'm not sure how far this is before this one comes out. but About a month. Okay, so we're, we're probably in toward the end of our sports series that we have. We've got a number of movies we'll be talking about in that. Including karate? Uh, there's uh, let's see we've got uh, love and basketball we've got girl fight we've got uh, girl fight fighting yeah. right there's yeah. A, yeah that's probably the closest and then uh, I'm I'm blanking on the other two but uh, it I should be a, should be a fun little series <laughs> yeah uh, but you can find you can just look up the next reel um, or the next dot com we're all over the place as that Jim Cotta. I don't know. <laughs> don't don't even tempt me. I want to do Jim Cotta so hard. We do this whole guilty pleasure thing, and I realized just when I thought, ah, oh, I think I've run out of guilty pleasure movies, and then I realized what a U.S. Olympian in a movie doing gymnastic kung fu. Yes. Yes. Oh my god! How did I forget that movie? <laughs> well, thanks again, guys, and we'll be back on Wednesday. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. <laughs> and. Until next time. No, no, don't swallow. <laughs>